Nikki Smith is an entrepreneur, business strategist, and empowerment coach. You may have heard of Knowledge by Nikki platform or the brand. I had the privilege of sitting in one of her seminars and I was just blown away and I went, I wanted to have her on the show. If you didn't miss the first episode with her, then where you get you just totally missed out on her whole story on how she got to where she is with a ton of information that you definitely want to know if you want to make big changes in your career and life. Welcome back to the Hairdresser Strong Show. Uh, today, I'm talking with Nikki Smith from Knowledge by Nikki, and we're going to talk about what is success and what are the biggest challenges to success and what are the things that hairdressers find the most success in. This is a conversation you don't want to miss. Thank you so much, Nikki, for coming on the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Um. Why don't uh, just for people who didn't give get to like hear the first episode, uh, you want to just give them like a like a super high level um, run through of like just who you are and like what you do. Hi, guys. I am Nikki Smith. I've been in this industry, the beauty industry for 35 years. I am your business restructuring strategist. I'm the girl you call when you've messed up a whole, whole lot and you just have no idea how to fix it. So I'm the cleanup girl. Uh, my ideas and my ideologies and my systems have come from years of me messing up. So I have this model that I did it all wrong. So you don't have to. So that's that. who I am. I'm the girl you call when you hit a wall and you're like, okay, I have no idea what to do. And I need someone who understands the journey to help me fix it. So that's who I am. I love that. And if you missed the last episode and you want to hear all the all the thing, all the steps and processes that she went through to get there, uh, you definitely should check that out. Um, so last at the, in our last conversation, uh, you said a bunch of stuff that I just loved. And I was like taking notes while we were talking. And uh, one of the things that you said was um, being successful is way beyond talent. However, I love that uh, because, and we also talked about like the work it takes to be successful and by chasing, instead of chasing the, you know, the end result in your mind, you need to think about the steps to get there and stuff like that. Well, what we didn't talk about is what does success even mean? So why don't we start there? I remember the very first business class I taught. I was, it was a show back, oh God, I don't even remember how long this was, but it was a show called Proud Lady Beauty Show. And it was a show that they had done in Illinois for probably 20, 30 years. This was the last time they did it. I actually had worked at that show maybe 10 of the last years that it was put on and I always did technique. This particular year, they asked me what I wanted to teach and I just knew I did not want to teach technique. I did not want to teach cut and coloring. I don't want to teach any of that. So they were like, well, what do you want to teach? I said, I want to teach this business thing that I kind of figured out. And I've been kind of teaching it because I was traveling internationally a lot at that time. And I, I want to do that. So I gave them kind of this rundown of what it was, but I didn't have a name for it. I, I didn't even know what to call it. They were like, well, all that sounds good, but what are we going to call it? And I remember saying to them, you know what, let me get back to you on that. And so I called a friend of mine that lives in California and I kind of ran it past him. And I said, what should this be called? He said, it should be called Successful Business Strategies. Okay. So that's what birthed this, this idea. What I had done was a couple surveys uh, through the years before that about trying to figure out what success was. I realized that everybody didn't care about just the money. 
Some people, you know, some people liked a lot of stuff. Some people just wanted to make money. They could care less what they made it in. And then there was this large group of people that wanted to serve humanity. They okay. wanted to do philanthropic type stuff. They wanted to help grow people. And, and I think that was also in that cycle where you were seeing these TV shows where people were giving away uh, houses and, and just doing this stuff. And I mean, I would love watching those shows like Undercover Boss and stuff like that. And so I came up with this coaching, you might as well call it, or with this training program that was called House of, uh, Successful Business Strategies. It was broken up into three strategies. It was broken up into uh, people that just want to make money, income strategies. Then it was broken up into people that just want to have more stuff. Some people just like a lot of stuff. That's success to them. And then others were into how is what I'm doing influencing or building people? And these so are hairdressers, sorry. Yeah, these are hairdressers. Yeah, just these wanted, are all their, their success is impacting the world. Yes. I love, and so, I love to hear that, by the way. I just want Yeah, to... it is. It okay. is. So what I realized was I thought, you know, most of us think success is, is about money because we live in a very capitalistic society and everything okay. seems to come down to the almighty dollar. I realized, I remember I worked with this company at that time. This was kind of my informal coaching. And I remember this particular group, they had, fine, they had money, but they had built a, a, a chain of salons that their entire goal was just to build people, help them be successful. They, they wanted to take them on to like do community projects with them. I have had the privilege of doing stuff like women's hair in prisons, even out of the country. These were that kind, that kind of group that I realized they had a ton of money, but they still weren't happy. And it was because they didn't see people that had come under them turning out the way that they really had expected. And so that was one of my first experiences with like, well, these people got a ton of money, but they're not birthing people the way they want to see. And they're still unhappy. And then I remember meeting people that would have a thousand salons and restaurants and all this kind of stuff. And realistically, I used to think like most that when people got a lot of stuff, oh, that means they're doing well. Man, these people had a lot of stuff. Half the stuff is in foreclosure. IRS and padlock one of the slides. Oh so it's like they got a lot of stuff, but the stuff isn't doing well. So that's when I realized just seeing people with a lot of stuff does not automatically mean that they're doing well because unless the things are doing well that they have, but these people were still happy because they had a lot of stuff. They could say, I got 20 salons. I got, you know, 10 restaurants. And that's what they success looked like to them. And then I met people that they just wanted to make money. These were people that would take their, their salons. And I don't know if you used to watch um, Tabitha taking over show. And yeah. it was a great <laughs> depiction of this. It was a husband and wife. And the wife was a bona fide hairdresser to the bone. The husband just wanted to make money. So this salon, that's why they were clashing. He had a travel agent in the back. He had some type of, but he had rented out space for all these non-related businesses. And it was driving the wife nuts because she wanted to focus on the beauty industry. He just wanted to make money. He didn't care. He like, look, we can rent this room out to somebody that, that needs an office if they do catering. Um, they even had like a small attorney that did divorces. So you got this room. With it. So it made me understand that some people just want to make money. They don't really care 
if it's all under this umbrella. And so I was able to come up with this program in that particular cycle where I studied and broke down the actual strategies that have to go into your idea of success. So that is where people have to make the connection. If you don't know what your primary um, idea of success looks like, you can find yourself operating in another model that you still aren't happy. You know, they talk about people that are extremely wealthy, but they still go commit suicide or they're not happy. It's not just about money. And so the thing that I try to encourage hairstylists, anybody that I talk to, you have to do some deep diving to figure out what is success. What what does that look like for you? And then that's when now we can build the strategies to get you from where you are to where you're trying to be, because you're never going to be happy until that ideology of success is fulfilled. You're never going to be happy. I love that. That's so good. So, so everybody out there, just listen up. Like you don't, if you're working hard, make sure you know, like what you're working towards, you know, what, what, what is it that is your success and, uh, you know, have a plan there. And, um, if you need help, there's the links are below. You can hit up, uh, you can have Nikki or what, however you, you, you figure that process out. Um, you know, we talked in the last uh, last time we talked. We talked about surrounding yourself with people who are are more successful than you, or let me, or or they either have what you want, or or are working towards the same goals. And um, so that I want to give your I want to give your um, listeners a tip. Your success is one hundred percent wrapped up into your purpose. It really is. And the only way to, to, to really truly find your purpose, if you don't know where it is, is you have to have other people tell you about you. I give I give coaches oh, that's interesting. this exercise. It's called how to find your purpose. What I make them do is I make them find five to 10 people that have known them since they were young. They could be family, friends. They don't have to be related to the business. And you're going to ask them to describe you ever since you were young. Describe when you think about me, what do you what do you think? You've known me since I was a kid. Tell me about something that I've always done, something that I've always said. And then you're going to get five to 10 professional people, whether they be your clients or your coworkers. And all of these people need to have known you for at least about 10 years. What you're going to, you ask them the same thing. You ask the client, other than how well I do my, your servicing, why do you still come here? Because you can find people to do good hair everywhere. I love that. That's not, that's not hard. <laughs> you can find people to do good hair everywhere. People don't stay with you just because you're a great stylist. Right. What ends up happening is I make people do this. So they got five to 10 from their personal life. They got, and this is actual training I do. They got five to 10 from their professional life. And what happens is all of these threads will have a common way of that they speak of you. When I found out what my purpose was, I did that. All of the people said in one way or another, however they worded it, you make me feel like I could fly. You encourage me. You always are trying to push people to stretch beyond what they believe their limits are. It was, everything was something like that. 
They would say, when I come to your salon, I don't even really care about how well my hair is. I love the conversations we have. I feel so empowered when I leave there. It was all this kind of stuff. Once I learned that, I built my entire business around it. And that is why I did so well so quickly. Because what I was doing was natural. It was just what I did. That's so good. That that will help you line up your successes. My success is in my legacy. I just want to know that I influence people. My my favorite uh, author also has a book, John C. Maxwell, called The Power of Significance. And it's about you understanding, or if you're that person, you just want to be significant. When you die, you just want people to have said their lives were better after they met you than before. I'm a happy person. Nice. It ain't about money for me. It's I not. love that. I love this. So I, this, you all, y'all just got a little like exercise uh, that you can yes. take home and do for you with yourself. So like that, that, that is a huge piece of value right there. Uh, yes. I advise you to, uh, or I, I implore you to use it. Okay. I got a question. Um, when you're working with people in these programs and, uh, and you're helping them either figure out what success means or, or once you figure that out, you're helping them through this process of growing or whatever, or because I saw on your website, you got a bunch of bunch of different like avenues that you could take people on. It sounds like you got multiple, uh, multiple uh, like classes or curriculums. Um, mm-hmm. What is the biggest challenge that you have uh, it, with your, 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 clients or, or, or however you refer to them, uh, the people that you are coaching or advising or help strategize for, what is the biggest challenge that you come across that they have? Not that you have, which it might be this one and the same, but no, it's not. (laughs) I got, I got, there are, I did a Facebook live for about an hour and a half, uh, a couple years ago called the different types of labor. You have manual labor, you have um, intellectual labor, and then you have emotional labor. I don't know if you knew that. Manual labor is easy. Whatever you do, you 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 pretty much you have to use your hands to do it. That's what we do as hairstylists. Intellectual labor are people that use their brains to actually produce whatever. It's it's all in ideas. Emotional labor uh, is your ability to manage your emotions. And they, the, the piece that I did, I really studied it and it broke it down into like different occupations. Like if you're a spy or if you work for the CIA, or if you're an undercover cop, you have to really have a, a real um, way of managing or having emotional labor. The difference in you not being able to manage that could literally be the difference in those jobs and you living and dying. So what I find is the biggest challenge with the people that I serve is in that area of emotional labor. They have not figured out how to manage through stress, how to still come show up on time, show up with the right attitude, how to still give other people that you serve what they have paid for, regardless of how you feel, um, we live in a world that believes that if I don't feel like it, I ain't got to do it. It's not true. You have to still be consistent. You have to still show up. So my biggest challenge still to date is teaching people how to compartmentalize their stress and how if you're running a business, 
It doesn't matter. I mean, even under really extreme situations, death, divorce. Uh, I know people that went through full walkouts in salon. I mean, life happens. And being able to manage and still do what you've obligated yourself to do when those things occur is the biggest challenge. It's kind of one of those. I have this statement when people think they're going through something and they just are in the worst position and the whole world doesn't understand. I tell people, you do not have the patent on suffering. You don't have the patent on struggling. We all could come in this room and we could all sit around a table and I'm sure we all have something to put on it. So helping people to be able to manage and still be productive, even when they don't feel like it, that is the hardest thing of life. I've actually, and I, I hate that I've had to make these decisions. I have some people that are so, even though I'm a life coach, I what I do is not completely life coaching. It's more business coaching. And I obviously have to help you in your life too. But I've had to, I don't want to say put them out, but for lack of a better word, basically, I've had to put people out that waste my time because they're so emotionally just either damaged or they literally shut down to the point where every time we have a call, we're on the same thing because they can't move forward. So it's like they need a, a I, I've done everything I could to help them, but that is the biggest struggle, hands down, is getting people to move through pain mm. and to move through stress. That's like a whole other uh, wheelhouse. Oh, it's like a psychiatrist or a therapist or a psychologist. Yes, so I absolutely. See. And you, I actually have become that because I do have some background. When I took my coaching course, that is part of what they teach you. Oh, you really? have to understand bipolar, PTSD. You end up getting people to have all these things. You got to understand what they look like. But it is, it, it is exhausting when people just can't. I don't care what you do, what you say. You give them exercises. They just cannot move through certain life situations that is the real struggle okay so um so let's say hypothetically um you're talking we're talking about a person who may be able to handle uh these their their life struggles outside of their business but what is the biggest challenge with people on that that don't have that aren't bringing in stuff from their personal life. I mean, I don't even know if that's even a realistic hypothetical scenario because it we all have. Is. It actually yeah. is. I'll explain okay. that. To you. Okay. Yeah. Tell us. The 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 problem with being in the extremes on either end, anything that is unbalanced will eventually break. So I have people that act like nothing is ever wrong, and they don't ever allow themselves to feel and to to experience and to go through. Those people are just ticking time bombs because whether you want to acknowledge it or deal with it or not, I have this, uh, when I interview people for coaching and when I accept them as a client, cause I don't accept everybody, I tell them about the whole program. And then I tell them, look, I understand life happens. If you are having a moment where you got some real world stuff going on, I am perfectly okay with pushing pause. Meaning we may have a call where all we talk about in that call is what really is going on. You may just need a sounding board, a place to vent, but what we're not gonna do is have that conversation like six weeks straight. So for those people that are not dealing with things that they really need to deal with, they can almost become as dangerous and they will sabotage 
what they what we built because they're ignoring. You still got to deal with this stuff, but it's just not something, you know, I, it, it's uh, um, Tyler Perry when he was first doing his plays. And he would say a lot of times in his plays, it's okay to cry, just don't cry, just don't cry too long. And Joyce Myers would say, if God didn't want us to cry, he wouldn't have gave us tear ducts. So it's okay. But right. we just can't cry every time we talk. Right. And so I have those people, I've experienced them sabotaging what it is that we built because they're internalizing everything. I'm talking about, I got people where the kids have committed suicide and we need to push pause for a minute. And I let them know that's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm, I'm a realist. It's okay if we have to just talk this session. We don't even have to talk about business, but I got people, no, no, no. I'm just going to keep going. No, no, you're not. And so it's got to be a balance of doing what you got to do, regardless of how you feel, and also allowing yourself to grieve if that's what you need to do for a minute. You just can't grieve for six. You can't. I can't grieve with you for six months. Right. Is all I'm saying. So those people are they can be just as destructive. As the so, other ones that don't do anything. So I was not expecting you to say this, but I, I mean, I, I, I totally like, I, I can't even ask you, like, I was thinking, okay, maybe I can ask another question if I, like, I was watching one of your videos and, mm -hmm. um, and you were saying how a challenge that you have with some of the people that you coach is that, um, they don't do the things you tell them to do. Like you give them steps. I was expecting you to say something like that. And then you totally said something that is seems to come way before before it that. Does. You know, you can't so. get them in a in a right mental space. Right. Everything else becomes they'll do it, then they'll undo it. We'll That's fix good. it, and then they'll go sabotage you. Gotcha. And, and it's it's this that is the biggest struggle is getting them to manage their emotions. And managing it does not mean suppressing it. It doesn't mean cry every day, all day. It just means you got to manage it. You got to, part of managing your emotions though, is you have to become more self-aware. When people sign up for my coaching, one of the first tests I give them is called a self-awareness test. I need to know how you view you. Because some people are in denial. You think you're this, but you're not. And so a lot of that is done first. Because a lot of that becomes very necessary for me to get the most out of them for the year that we're together. So uh, what about, um, just to kind of switch gears uh, a little bit, then what is the uh, practice or topic or category uh, that you see uh, your clients who are, you know, specifically talking about hair, the hairdresser clients, uh, where are they seeing the most success? Like what comes seems to come easier uh, for than other things to where they can experience success? Um, yeah. Easier, easier for them to change. You mean? Um, I guess what I'm trying to ask is like, so if the biggest challenge, if hairdressers biggest challenge, if to getting to achieving success is their mental health, state of mental health, and how they deal with their emotions and the things that are going on in their lives. And then what is what area is the most successful in? Because you have to, if you have to coach people uh, partially through life stuff, um, then that's like I would, I, like I said, I thought you were going to say something like 
like more um not so holistic holistic in nature yes uh, which right. i love the holistic side of it um so on the other side where are the areas of, of most success that you notice their their money okay oh my god when 99.9 percent of the people that reach out to me are trying to figure out where their money's going literally okay and because they're working like dogs and they're putting in the hours and their inability to manage their finances causes a ripple effect in everything. And so I typically don't get rookies, I call it. I, I, my tribe and people that are drawn to me are people that have been in this thing for a while. Okay. And they're at that point where they want to become more serious about how they're they're got they have the end in mind right now and they don't see any way that they can i don't want to necessarily say retire but just even shift gears and so my group that seems to come to me is at that pinnacle point of how do i make all of this make sense i'm working 17 hours I'm making money. I don't know where it is. I don't know how to manage my home life. I don't know how to manage my business life. I don't know how to separate the two. I just literally am in this hamster wheel and I have no idea what to do next. The reason when they start coaching with me after I do all these assessments, the first three months, all we deal with is their money. And it really is not about the money. Like tracking about, it, budgeting, like what? Oh, do you I do like a forensic financial review. I'm okay. talking about. I'm looking at bank statements. I make them if they have any type of accounting software. Don't send me a report. I make them do stuff manually because it makes them pull off the report. What was that day's total? Okay, you made a thousand dollars, but you were there for twelve hours and you did sixteen people. That doesn't add up. <laughs> and so I, I have this manual form and right. it takes them about two weeks to do it, but I make them extract those numbers off that page gotcha. so they can look at it. The reason I start there, it has really nothing to do with money. It's about them paying attention to the details of their businesses. Everybody I deal with for the most part is an owner. So if you aren't paying attention to details, this is why your business it's failing. So it's not even about the money. But one thing I've learned about money personalities, I got a whole training on that, is that when you start to get your finances in order, everything about you changes. Everything. Everything. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you react. It changes the way. All those things we talked about, getting around different people, this, that. It, it organically changes all of that. So they first have to go through, I have this thing called uh, the money trinity. And it's it's very similar to the, the trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what I do is I take them from understanding how to get financially stable to financially secure to eventually being financially free. And there's this whole list of things that you will notice that naturally change. It happens for everybody. And I want them to be aware enough to know where they are. And they, they do. When they grasp that, every single person I've coached that really grasped that and did what I instructed them to do, their whole lives changed. 
the, even their ability to fire people that need to be let go. They do it a lot easier because they start realizing that, A, your business is a baby that you birth and you have to protect it, just right. like your real baby. They start learning that it's not personal. They start becoming very good business people. And I found that money platform, it births this with those that take it seriously. So that is where I start uh, with just about everybody. After the assessments, okay, let's dive into these finances. And it starts that that wheel turning. See, do you have... Um... Uh, do you have, you said that a lot of your people that you deal with, you work with, uh, have been in the game a long time. So, um, do you have any, um, like young millennials or Gen Z clients? And, um, and if you do, how are they different? And if you don't, um, do you have any like thoughts for them on, on like getting started in their career? I love, I love millennials. Everybody else has issues with them. I love them. Yes, I do. I have millennials. The millennials I have have these old souls though. They, they, they're like 22, <laughs> but they act like they're 52. You know what I love about millennials is when you tell them to do something, it's done. It's done. They don't drag their feet. They don't overanalyze whether that that's my, I call them my old heads. That's what they do. The millennials teach me stuff. I tell them we're going to do this like this. They like, okay, they call me Miss Nikki. Everybody under 35 calls me Miss Nikki. And they'll say, Miss Nikki, that's great. But what do you think if we do it like this? Because I'm like, that way sounds better to me as long as we get it done. I love, I don't have any generation Zers. And I had one or two of them at, at a time. The reason I don't have them is because they don't really have enough skin in the game. And they have these ideas that have not been tested and you find yourself fighting with them, trying to say, you don't know anything. Shut up. You haven't done anything. <laughs> so, yeah, I find myself fighting with them. They're telling me how stuff should go. That's not going to work. Oh, and my I can, God. And, 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 and let me say this. It's also I don't coach men. Oh, not really? on purpose. I've had men. Men never tell me the truth. Uh-oh. Hold on. Where do we go? Are you here, Robert? Yeah, Sorry. yeah. I, I could still Men hear never tell me the truth. They never tell me the truth because they, they have a certain level of respect for me. They still see me as a girl. So men will give me half the story. And then I'll go full-fledged with helping them set up whatever it is. And then they'll tell me, three months down the line, oh, by the way. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me that? We did all of this for nothing. Hmm. So men, it, it's very, men, I think, do better with men coaches. Interesting. Men, to be coached by a woman, we're still just a woman to them. And they, I have coached men, several. They just never tell me the truth. When men make mistakes, at least in my experience, if they make mistakes, they won't tell me that they made a mistake that cost us like four months or like $50,000. I have to pull it out of them. Wow. So I realize, and I'm not anti-men, but that is what I have dealt with with men. The Generation Zers, they think they know stuff and they don't know anything. The millennials, I love them. The only thing I have to keep them is connected to the process. Millennials want everything microwaved. They want, they want, they want to be rich. They want to be rich tomorrow. They want to be millionaires tomorrow. That's and so Simon funny. Sinek says, he says, he tells his millennials, 
I don't care whether you go up the mountain fast or slow, it's still a mountain. Oh, and you still got to climb. Good. I like Simon that Sinek, who I love, he says it all the time. I don't care I if like you go up too. the mountain fast or slow, it is still a mountain. And you still got to climb it. So maybe you didn't came up with some steps that can get you there quicker, but you still got to get up there. Right. And that's the only issue I have with my, I love millennials though. Everybody else gets mad at them. I love them because they teach me a lot and I don't devalue what they feel or think. A millennial I've learned, as long as you give them a, a platform where their ideologies are valued, they're easy to work with. But if you keep telling them that doesn't matter or that's stupid, they're going to shut down. They'll never talk to you ever again and they'll never help you. They help me. I don't know how to do all that digital stuff. I do now, but my millennials taught me how to yeah. do this. They're going to teach you how to do stuff quick because they don't want to go through no long process. So right. I love it. But that's my experiences with different groups. Nice. I like that. I'm glad you said that because uh, I'm I'm just looking. I'm constantly trying to hear people's perspectives on the different generations because a big conversation that I have uh uh, or or a lot of these topics touch on this big conversation of how are things uh, changing due to the changing expectations and culture of the rising stylists. And uh, I think that's really interesting. Um, so, well, I thought this was a great conversation. Thank you so much. And, I love uh, it. Thank you. I'm sure some people, uh, I'm sure some, a lot of people will get a lot out of this. And um, I definitely look forward to uh, having more conversations like this. You know, maybe yes. even, maybe down the road, we can have a conversation about uh, generational differences and uh, things like that. Um, but until then, uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Robert. You know, I have a training on that too. I did a whole training on Z, Xers. I'm um, generation. My generation is, um, what are we? Let me see. Z is 21. Millennials are up to about 38. I forgot what we're called. I'm in X, the 50s. X, uh, we're generation X. Right. X, we're X. Yeah. Yes. I'm considered generation X. And then you got baby boomers. Yeah. And I yeah. did a whole thing on how they respond differently to successes. Oh, well, there you go. It, it, so. was, it was fun. It was fun. I'm going to see if I can find that one for you. I had okay. to go through that hard drive and see if I could find it. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, uh, if you're listening on podcast, uh, please make sure that you followed and you've given us a rating. And also, if you're on on YouTube or Instagram, please leave a comment below, like, follow, subscribe. It helps support us and make sure other people can hear this message. And definitely please share this with your fellow hairdresser. Uh, I think it's, you know, if you got something out of this and um, we look forward to talking to you again, Nikki. All right. Thank you so much. Again, I appreciate the platform. Absolutely. So till next time. Till next Bye time. Uh -huh. Bye-bye.